This edition of the KTH 910 AM Interview of the Week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. I'm Dave Palmer, host of the program. Diane is running the board. Let me uh, introduce uh, who we have in studio with me. First of all, Christian Hamrick uh, is a senior uh, seminarian from the Diocese of Nashville. And we also have Wyatt Parlow, a sophomore from the Diocese of Austin. Our official photographer is Cameron uh, Colin Jinzak. He's also from the Diocese of Austin. And returning, uh, the the not-so-prodigal son, John Cavana, who uh, was an intern here at our station. All the Cavana boys uh, have become interns here. Uh, he now is a first-year pre-theologian seminarian uh, from the Diocese of Dallas. And I also want to thank Sylvia Nahara, uh, director of the advancement. She's been my primary contact there and she uh, helps line up these interviews. So thank you so much, uh, to Sylvia. So gentlemen, thanks for being here. Good to, good to see all of you and meet a couple of you for the first time. Thanks for having us. Yeah. It's yeah, good to be you. back. Let's, uh, talk. Uh, a lot of people don't know what life is like in the seminary and I'm sure life in the seminary now is different than it even was two years ago because of the pandemic and all that. So let me just start with that. Christian, uh, you've been there a while. You're a senior, so I guess this is your fourth year at Holy Trinity Seminary. What's life like generally, and also how have things changed during the pandemic? Well, how have things changed during the pandemic? Uh, that, that's uh, I think everything's changed during the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, but really, I think the our community life has been able to be sustained in a really unique way. Um, and even though we had to implement um, some restrictive measures in the beginning just to make sure that we weren't going to be spreading the virus or anything like that. Um, We have been very successful at maintaining the health of our community while at the same time um, (laughs) maintaining the community. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas some other seminaries haven't been, haven't had the same levels of success as we have. They've had COVID outbreaks. They've had to lock down and things like that. Um, But so like, for instance, we had at one time implemented uh, masking measures within the house um, and still currently we have restrictions on when we're able to um, go out during the week and things. So unless it's for a, a different preset appointments and you get permission for that, um, for the most part, we stay um, at the seminary the whole time, um, except on Saturdays. Um, and we try and make up for that with different house events, um, really trying to stay engaged as a community um, and trying to kind of play off each other ideas for how we can uh, grow more as a community and sort of keep ourselves entertained and uh, enthused as the year goes on. Mm-hmm. Probably the closest thing I can compare it to is when I was in college, I lived in a dorm, uh, Hardin Hall up at uh, Hendricks College, and it was all guys. And there was a great community life, and we'd hang out with each other and listen to music and throw parties and stuff like that. And so um, Wyatt, uh, how... You know, how do you all still bond and are you able to be with each other in each other's rooms and, you know, play games or yeah, I know there's a community night. Uh, what, what kind of activities are you able to do? Yeah. So that's a great question. I, what comes to mind to me personally is a, is a saying that our rector actually uses. He says that there are two things, good, two great things that really mark a great seminary. One of the things is that if you walk into the chapel, you always have people praying in it. But the second thing is that if you walk into the hallways, you, you will always hear laughter. And you're always going to see people outside each other's hallways messing around. And that's that's one of my favorite parts about seminary is that everyone at some time or another during the day is messing around in the hallway. And usually it's after a busy day has concluded and we're relieving stress, just talking about our day with each other. And it's it's an amazing experience to 
get you get to know your brothers informally like that and get to know um, their quirks and their humor. And like you mentioned, the community nights. So every Friday we have uh, a, a community gathering and we're able to socialize and have a meal together as well. And that's been and it's been one of the best experiences I think I've I've had to get to come to know um, a group of guys who already have so much in common with with myself, and to just be able to spend informal quality time getting to know them, and not only them but the priests who work so hard to form it, to form us into God willing future priests. Mm-hmm. And does this involve like movies or board games other than the meal? Is there something organized, or is it just kind of hanging out? Yeah. So at first, it usually just starts out with a meal that we all share together. But then as the night progresses, there's usually a couple guys who decide that they want to either make a board game out of it and a group of guys may go do that. Like you mentioned, there might be a movie playing in one of the TV rooms that we have in the Cardinal Farrell Student Center that we uh, use so regularly. And then a lot of times after the meal, a lot of guys try to do something to do with sports. Uh, the other week we had a basketball tournament uh, we had a pool tournament. We have all kinds of uh, sports that we like to do as well. And we actually have a guy who coordinates sports, and he always sets things up regularly. And I think that's one of the other top ways that guys get to know each other well and really build that teamwork that's so essential to community and to uh, uh, the priesthood as well. Yeah, I think what, what Father Swift maybe is getting at is that should look like normal guys doing normal things, uh, you know, pursuing holiness, of course, and an education. But uh, like you say, there should be laughter and there should be prayer and there should be well-rounded people, right? Right, and that's a big thing. It's just the normalcy of life that we want to maintain because yeah. the guys, the guys will get to know each other so much better if everyone. Everyone seems normal around each other. Yeah, <laughs> you know. The, yeah, we don't always seem normal, even here around the radio station. So <laughs> right, I don't know. Right. We're still working on that as well. John, uh, originally you guys were scheduled to come in several weeks ago, and then the snowmageddon hit. Mm. Uh, but Sylvia had said, make sure you ask him about what's planned for Mardi Gras with uh, the the chicken run and the pancake flipping contest. And so that's, uh, I guess, one of those two actually happened. And so tell us about, I know you didn't do the chicken run, but I got to know what is the chicken run, the pancake flipping contest, and other just kind of unique, special events perhaps tied into the liturgical calendar or otherwise. What kind of stuff do you all do? Yeah, well, I'm severely bummed that we didn't have the chicken run. Um, basically, it's an event where... You release a chicken, uh, and then everyone runs after it to catch it. And if you pick up the chicken and you can hold it, then you win. Um, <laughs> and it sounded like a ton of fun, but it wasn't going to work in the snow. We were afraid for the chicken, so we didn't have that event. But we did have the pancake flip on Mardi Gras, which was a lot of fun. Father Swift, our rector, explained the background of it, that there was a lady who was on her way to church because the bells were ringing, and she had a pancake in a pan, so she just started flipping it all the way until she got to the church. And then people saw that apparently and thought, oh, that sounds like a cool idea, so let's make a sport. Um, so we had a pancake flip. Unfortunately, my hall was eliminated immediately um, <laughs> by Christian's hall. But, uh, so it was, it's a contest. Yes, yeah, yeah it's a contest. Okay. Who, can, who can get there fastest? Right, um, right. And in the end, the freshman and sophomore hall won, which, which is pretty impressive. Oh, wow. But we have a lot of really fun events like that. Um, Wyatt was talking about some of the intramural sports we do. Um, and then also just events that kind of, like you were mentioning, celebrate the, the different seasons we have. So we had that kind of Mardi Gras themed celebration right before Lent. And it was a really great way to come together as brothers, enjoying each other's presence, 
before we also again came together um, to start the season of Lent. Yeah. All right. So we've covered the social aspect and uh, community life and talk a little bit about the education itself. I think some people may not realize that, and correct me if I'm wrong, the seminarians are kind of mixed in with the regular population there at the University of Dallas, right? And so is that all like all four years that you're just in regular classes or do you uh, ever have classes that are strictly with seminarians? Well, and that's the idea. And that was one of the the founding principles of Holy Trinity, one of the main motivators was making sure that seminarians would be um, engaging on a regular basis with um, regular students. And that was pretty revolutionary at the time because seminaries um, back in the 60s when Holy Trinity was founded functioned a lot like monasteries. Yeah. Um, So there wasn't a whole lot of interaction with those on the outside. We haven't had as much of that this year um, because of, again, like Wyatt was saying, like we're trying to maintain as normal a community life as possible. Um, So in in that effort, again, we had to sort of change a lot of things. And one of those things, unfortunately, has been that um, this year we haven't been going up to campus for classes, Um, Just which fortunately um, we implemented that because the university has had a few COVID outbreaks and things. So we don't know what that effect that would have had in our community. Um, but we've been very fortunate in that um, the online classes have been made readily available. And that um, actually this semester, we've been even more fortunate in that some professors from the university are actually coming down to Holy Trinity and teaching seminarian only sections of courses in person. Because as great as the online classes are, and we're very blessed that we have the ability to do that, the experience just isn't quite the same mm-hmm. as, like, for instance, being able to ask a question right away and not have to try and, like, gesture on a Zoom screen <laughs> to, like, to make sure that you can get to ask your question. Yeah. Um, so we've been very blessed in that. Um, and just normally there are some classes that are more um, seminarian heavy um, or all seminarians, like the sort of senior seminar, senior thesis courses. Um, but this year, it's definitely been, just like everything else, very different because of, of the pandemic. Yeah, that's been the key word, hasn't it, for the last year, different. I want to talk about uh, something called a Lenten journey with the seminarians. And I think the whole point of this is that the the public has not been able to interact with you all as much and come to masses and shake your hands and be with you. But you're kind of coming to us uh, through digital technology and your your Facebook page in particular and so, um, Wyatt, what, what is kind of the, tell us uh, kind of from a bird's eye view of the Lenten journey with the seminarians. What is this program about? Yeah, so I think it's an, an incredible way for, um, especially the people who are, like you were saying, farther away from us because of, as we have mentioned, is the word of the year, the pandemic, to really get to participate in such a close way with us, especially during a season as special as Lent, um, climbing that mountain to Easter, as our rector puts it nicely again. And the Lenten reflections are basically, um, throughout the entire week of Lent, we will post written reflections from a seminarian on the readings for that particular day. But on Sunday, we will actually post a video from a seminarian reflecting on on specifically the gospel message of each Sunday in Lent. And I think that's what that really does well, is allow everyone to not only get a taste of what the spirituality kind of is like as, as is like as a whole in the house, but also maybe gives the people who are more isolated in general 
a way to have someone to walk with them, perhaps through this journey of Lent, perhaps someone who uh, doesn't have um, someone who's as, as close to them um, spiritually, and maybe they don't know uh, who to relate to and who they can connect to. Well, we want to be that person for them. We want to be that bridge uh, to Christ, that partner that you can walk through the mountain of Lent to towards Easter and find the joy of the resurrection at the end. So the Lenten reflections are a perfect way for us to get to connect in that way and be that uh, partner that you walk with all throughout Lent. Have any of y'all written a reflection yet? I know we're relatively early on in Lent uh, as the time of recording this. Have you done one, John? Mm-hmm. Tell us, uh, is it something tied into that go- the gospel reading that day or just anything on your mind or what do you do? Yes, yeah, it's tied into the gospel reading of the day and then you just write a reflection that is why it was mentioning will hopefully help someone out. And I think it was really nice for me in particular because it can be easy to, when we're in this semi-lockdown kind of lose a sense of the mission and what we're really training and discerning when we're at seminary. And the Linton Reflection for me was a great opportunity to actually see that that hopefully, God willing, one day I will be a priest preaching homilies, giving messages like this on a daily basis, and remembering that it's it's the people, the people of God, the people of the church that I really want to be focused on and want to be serving. And that's the purpose of everything we do at seminary. Yeah. I had lunch with a priest today and he said that he has a seminarian who is actually, I believe, staying at the, the parish right now. And you had mentioned um, that you only get out on, I think, Saturdays. And so are you all just not at that level of seminary life uh, or eventually are you going to be getting out and spending time at, the, at parishes or when does that come? Well, different dioceses do um, ceremony formation in different ways. A lot of dioceses, mine doesn't do this personally, but um, incorporate what's called a pastoral year, which is where um, a guy will spend a whole year um, living at a parish and really experiencing parish life. Um, My diocese does a lot of that during the summers, Um, of course, COVID being excluded normally, um, Mm -hmm. but... I think that's still going on is that doesn't affect us directly, but we're still trying to connect um, with sort of pastoral formation in some way. Again, normally throughout the year, we'd have a very robust pastoral formation program on all levels covering RCIA, youth ministry, hospital visits, and things like that. Um, so this last semester and this coming semester, we've been trying to still engage with the community in a pastoral way somehow. So whether that's helping out at the food bank or, um, going on uh, trips around downtown Dallas to like talk with the homeless and hand out things and all that. We're still trying to have that pastoral connection, mm-hmm. even if the program that we normally participate in um, had to be temporarily suspended. Yeah. Unfortunately. There, there's another part of the Lenten journey with the seminarians uh, Fridays at 3 PM and a video of the seminarians meditating on the stations of the cross is posted and is that um, is that like a live broadcast? Is it posted after the fact? People can tune in at, the, at three o'clock and join you in that in the meditations. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So we pre-record a broadcast that we send out every day at three o'clock, which uh, which is uh, theologically the hour that Christ would have died in His Passion, um, and it's a perfect way um, to really be there with Christ and to um, get involved with all the emotions that are going on and the reflections that we are having in house. So um, if, I, if I understand right, this being my first year, uh, I believe that we used to have this in, with the public. Is that right, Christian? We used to do Stations Across with the Public? Well, we did used to have an event called, um, called Living Stations, That's which right. was a sort of 
um, kind of a reenactment of the stations, which was, yeah, open to the public, and we would get some of the students involved from campus and things like that. So this is kind of the the way in which we can make up for not being able to have that kind of event this year, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. You being a, a senior Christian, what what's in store for you next year? Or you, have you been assigned somewhere? Does that mean you leave Holy Trinity or what? It does, unfortunately, mean that I'll have to leave Holy Trinity. Um, I have loved every year that I've been here. Um, as of now, I'm, it, I just finished the application process to apply to the Pontifical North American College in Rome, um, where, God willing, I'll study for the next five years or so. Um, and then we'll just have to see how that goes and everything. Mm-hmm. But I really will miss Holy Trinity. So how does that Definitely. work? The the bishop uh, recommends you, and then you apply, and then somebody over in Rome has to say, yes, we'll accept him. Is that how it goes? And it depends on the on the diocese. Some bishops are more kind of wanting to engage in a dialogue about where you'll go and things. Others are pretty much saying, this is where you're going, and that's the decision. <laughs> um but you still have to apply to the institution and things. And generally speaking, if the bishop tells you where he wants you to go, you should have a problem getting in there. Um, but you yeah. still have to apply and go through the process, especially yeah. with the NAC, because then you got to worry about visas and things like that. Yeah. So and that's, well, that's all level. That's exciting to be able to travel over to Rome. You know, John, you moment you mentioned a moment ago. You know, if if I'm blessed to be a priest or something along those lines, and of course you're early on, you're a first year. Uh, just curious, and you know, maybe there's a young young man listening right now who's having the same thought of calling a vocation director. Well, what is it? And I'd like to ask all of you, what is it that inspires you or uh, excites you? I guess, for lack of a better word, about being a priest one day. What? Why? Why did you make that decision to enter seminary in the first place? What is it about the life uh, of of a priest that uh, you find appealing? Yeah, well, I go back to um, one of my favorite mysteries of the Rosary to Prayer, the Luminous Mysteries, and I really love the story of the wedding feast at Cana in particular. And just that image of Christ taking the water that the servants would use to clean their hands and then transforming that into the richest wine imaginable. That was the first kind of inkling that I had that I should enter seminary and that I was attracted to the priesthood that Christ could transform whatever talents I possess, whatever gifts I have into the most amazing thing possible, more amazing mm-hmm. than I could imagine. So I think just the the idea of completely giving yourself to Christ, completely offering yourself up was was the most appealing part of the priesthood to me. Yeah, very nice. Wyatt, how about you? You're relatively new in seminary as well. Uh, what was it that, was it a, a moment in time that God just, you, you know, how, what was the process for you? How young were you when you first thought of entering seminary? Yeah, so I was actually a freshman in college. And I transferred in as a sophomore into the seminary. <clears throat> but I will say that there were there were a number of smaller moments when I thought I heard the t- this little tug saying, this is something you need to look into, you should research. But I think the one aspect that really got me hooked on seminary was the aspect of uh, spiritual fatherhood, specifically being able to be known as a bridge to Christ for everyone who comes in contact with you. And if you can show the joy that Christ has given you. And for me personally, that is a huge joy. Every time I am able to pray and build my relationship with Christ and strengthen that more fully, I feel that I'm able to pour out so much more. And I think that this is one of the many ways that God asks me to pour out all the graces that he's given me onto others. And if he asks me, God willing, to be a priest one day, then that seems like 
the best way to be able to pour out everything God has given me because mm-hmm. he's given me an overabundant cup of blessing. Yeah. And I feel that he's asked me to share that. So among a, f- a couple of conversion things like just amazing experiences in prayer, a great amount of peace with the decision to start applying and start looking in and taking steps towards seminary. And this, just this overwhelming desire to lead people to God, no matter what path they're on already. And uh, it, it's, it's a, it's a common held belief that I think it's a common held belief that many people will say that priests or think to themselves that priests are maybe, maybe morally high, mm-hmm. you know, and they are the good priests are, are very much an incredible people. But in reality, I think we want to be brothers with you. I, I'm not really, I'm not a priest yet, but I would want to be a brother yeah. with you. I want to be the person who holds your hand and leads you to Christ. I want to lead you to the sacraments. I want to lead. I want to lead you to the fount of mercy, to yeah. peace with God. Yeah. So I think nice. that was the biggest motivation for me, just wanting yeah. to be with people. Well, thank you. And Christian, I'll close with you. We've got another minute or so remaining. You're the closest of uh, any of us, certainly <laughs> the closer than me to, to ordination. Uh, you've been in this a, a bit longer. What, what is it as you look, you know, God willing to ordination? What is it that's most uh, attracts you to the priesthood? Well, I think it, and this is something I've been put a lot of thought and prayer into lately about like, what is it that makes the priest different? Um, what is, what is different about it when, um, someone says, Oh, I'll pray for you versus like when a priest says, Oh, I'll pray for you. Um, I think the difference is that by virtue of his ordination, the priest is conforming a particular way to Christ such that when he is affected, when his heart is pierced, when he prays, it's Christ that's doing that. It's mm-hmm. Christ that's praying. It's Christ that's having his heart pierced. It's Christ that's being affected in a very direct, immediate way. And so it's that kind of life of sacrifice, that kind of self-giving, being a source of grace, um, helping to generate Christ in the motherhood of the church, um, generate Christ in the souls of the faithful. That's what I'm looking forward to, definitely. Mm. And that life of personal self-gift and sacrifice and being a source of grace for people. Yeah, very nice. I love it how, you know, every every seminarian is different. Every story is different. All three of your answers were different, but uh, very profound and interesting. And I just want to remind you, as I said, the main reason we were talking here, a Lenten journey with the seminarians is going to be on the Facebook page. I presume just go to facebook.com and put a search for Holy Trinity Seminary, right? And you can find that uh, Fridays at three, video of the seminarians meditating on the stage the cross every Sunday a reflection will be posted video for a reflection and then a written reflection posted every day during the 40 days of Lent leading all the way up into the Triduum and Easter and so I, I thank you uh, all for being here uh, again I've been speaking to Christian Hamrick senior seminarian uh, from the Diocese of Nashville Wyatt Parlow sophomore from the Diocese of Austin John Cavana first year pre-theologian Diocese of Dallas and uh, also we have Cameron Cullen Jinzak from the Diocese of Austin. I laugh because his name uh, is hard to pronounce and certainly very hard to to spell. (laughs) But uh, he's been our photographer, so I'm sure he would have some great information to to say as well. But thanks to all of you for being in. It's great to to speak with you. Thanks again to Sylvia for uh, arranging this and sending these gentlemen over. I hope you have a great rest of your Lent. Uh, This has been the interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network, KTH 910 AM. God bless you. 
Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to this very special edition of the KTH 9:10 a.m. Interview of the Week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. I'm Dave Palmer, along with Cecil Anderson. And normally, Cecil or Diane run the board and uh, you know do that kind of thing. But I've asked Cecil to join me in this conversation today because this is a topic that she's actually more familiar with than I am. But I am so excited to have a talented group of teenagers in studio with me. Uh, not the first time we've talked to them, but this is. Uh, three teenagers who have uh, produced and directed a, a, a film that's coming out this month at the end of the month and March 29th and 30th and the the film is uh, directed by Claire and Mary Vining. Uh, they are sisters. They worship at Modern Day Parish in Irving. And they also have brought along their composer, Diego Campos, uh, who is from St. Mary's Parish in Dublin. And uh, I bring Cecil in because Cecil has a degree in film and she knows about this kind of stuff. <laughs> so she can probably ask some even more intelligent questions than I than I am. But pretty impressive for teenagers to do something like this, oh, isn't it? absolutely. I remember when I was uh, a teenager and trying to make films and you know it's really easy to lose motivation fast mm -hmm. um, because you're like oh it's not going anywhere I don't feel like putting the effort in but I just am really impressed with the effort that they've gone in the fact you'll hear more about what they've done and how people can actually go and see it in a public theater which is really cool um, so yeah it's very impressive yeah it's called The Light of Versa 90 Minutes so this is a regular you know full length uh, film uh, you can learn more about it at viningsisters.com v-i-n-i-n-g sisters.com they're also on Facebook and Instagram as well. And it's an adventure fantasy film. And they're going to tell us all about it. So welcome to all three of you in unison. Thank you so <laughs> much. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, on. well, thanks so much. And congratulations on this. This is exciting. And we're also going to give people a chance to uh, win a couple of tickets at the end. But we want everybody else to go and buy tickets. Uh, they're only going to have about 550 available for these screenings. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can also rent out a theater. So we ask you to support uh, these, these uh, uh, talented teenagers. So, Claire, let me start with you. Uh, tell us about the early days of uh, when the bug for filmmaking and, you know, what, what have you first, first hit you. Yes, absolutely. So we started filmmaking about five years ago. We were looking for a film that we could watch as a family, just our entire family, little family night, you know. And um, But we couldn't find anything that was just wholesome content that, you know, the entire family could watch together. Um, but we did find a movie by a Catholic filmmaker called How to Make a Movie. <laughs> <laughs> so we watched it all together, and it was great. And so we started trying out our own little short films. And my mom got us a camera. Actually, originally she wanted to use the camera, but we kind of hijacked <laughs> it. Anyway, so, um, yeah, yeah. so yeah, so we just, we basically, we got started. And about six months later, we started writing a 120-page script for a like a cyber criminal comedy film <laughs> and um and it was you know it was a fun project to write and we actually contacted that filmmaker Jim Morlino and we said hey we have the script we want to make it you know can you give us any feedback and he said it is way too long you need to cut it in like you know half and like yeah. just delete as much as you can because you will never finish it so uh we finally got the script down to like 33 pages. 33 pages, thank you. Wow. Um, and we made it that summer. We held auditions and everything um, of Catholic teenagers in the area. And then we shot it over that summer and edited it and like had a premiere. And now it's on YouTube. So that was how we got started. And ever since then, we've been making projects that are usually from like 10 to 30 minutes long. 
Um, and then now we have this new film that is our first feature film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, interesting, it must be working with uh, your sister. I'm thinking, you know, there are these teams uh, like the Kedrick brothers <laughs> and the Irwin yes. brothers that are putting out these great Christian films. And so <laughs> sometimes you're spending a lot of time with each other anyway. Right. Yes, exactly. So how, how does that dynamic go, Mary? Um, it actually works out very well. Um, we kind of complement each other, so it really turns out. She's more into uh, communication and you know, getting it out there and everything, and I'm more into scheduling and keeping us on track. So I think that actually works out really well. Yeah, let me uh, just read uh, the, the quick paragraph about this particular film. We're also going to bring Diego in and ask how the, the music plays a part, because music mm-hmm. adds so much. Oh, I mean, does. not that I have to tell you all that, but it's more. just the kind of setting the tone. But uh, when the Dark Lord Ascar captures the sister and only surviving relative of a young carpenter named Caden, he sets out to rescue her as he treks across the sundry trains of the land of Versa. He must confront the Dark Lord's evil agents as they attempt to waylay him. And so that, that that's the, the first part of the summary. Yes. So where did this come from? It sounds kind of kind of Tolkien-esque. Would that yes, be a good comparison? Exactly. Yeah, it is. Um, we basically we wanted to make a fantasy film, something that would, um, while not being like, you know, referring explicitly to Christianity and God, um, would kind of give a good example of virtue in the characters and also would be like a fun action adventure type thing that everybody, you know, would really want to watch, especially teenagers, you know. Um, so it's kind of an exciting way to show um, the story, which is really about virtue and perseverance and hope, you know, and encouraging people to continue uh, trying their very best to serve the Lord, uh, you know, wherever he has them. Yeah. And, you know, the process, you, you write the script, you get it down, you know, you got that. And then, of course, you got the, the music, but then you got to get actors and you got to <laughs> get the, the equipment yeah. and the set. And uh, tell us about some of the particulars. Yes. Well, um, we start off by, uh, as you said, uh, writing the script. Then we audition the actors. So what we did for this film is we just sent out um, flyers to all the actors in the DFW area, like all the theater groups and, you know, acting schools, and then also all of the homeschool groups because a lot of homeschoolers are actors and they're very talented and also very generous with their time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And these are all mostly volunteers or are you yeah. able to pay yes. them out because everybody's yeah. a volunteer? Yeah, all, all the actors are volunteers on this one. So you had auditions, right? We did, yes. Okay. Yeah. So okay. we have auditions like at the local library. We rent out a room and everybody comes uh, with their little script and <laughs> reads it off and it's really exciting to see uh, so many people playing these different roles that you've written because you get to sort of see the first little bits of these roles coming into reality. Yeah. So that's yeah. exciting. So uh, Diego Campos, as I mentioned, composer of this. Uh, what, what's your background and how did you get connected with the Vining Sisters? Well, uh, that, that's kind of a long story. <laughs> so ever since I was like seven, I had a camera in my hand, and I would just run around filming my little sister Mm -hmm. as she would do incredible one-liners and things of the sort. And um, so I wanted to—I wanted to be a filmmaker. I always wanted to be a filmmaker. And but like after a certain amount of time, it just sort of faded away. And like you know, I started making films less and less. But somehow I decided that I wanted to make music for my films, mm-hmm. so I wouldn't have to credit anyone. <laughs> <laughs> so I started just started writing little bits using GarageBand and like the preset loops and stuff. And then I and then I got the crazy idea to contact the Vining Sisters, <laughs> who um, who were distributing flyers at my co-op, 
And I was like, hey, I can do I can do your score. And that was the cyber attack score. Yes. Um, and then it just kind of grew from there. It was, I mean, cyber attack, I think, was like, it was just like a big bang. It was like, <laughs> right. And then, like, you know, it sort of, like, started, you know, softening up around a Seek First. And then whenever Light of Versus started, it was just like, okay, this is going to be big. Because uh, I think originally it was supposed to be, like, a three-part short yeah, thing. Three, mm-hmm. Yeah, three-part, yeah. like, 45-minute yeah, you know, it was supposed series. to be like yeah, like a mini series almost. Mm-hmm. But then we decided to make it into a feature film because that made more sense. And I was like, all of a sudden, I have a feature film on my hands, <laughs> and like I'm like, how did this even happen? <laughs> but yeah, that's just yeah, a small thing. yeah. You answered God's call, and that uh, he he equipped you to to get it all done. All right, so uh, you know it's probably hard enough to to do something like this, but uh, last year and this year you've had the whole COVID thing. Mm-hmm. So yes. how did you have to work around that as far as shooting and uh, you, know, you know abiding by all the protocols and that kind right. of thing? Right. Yeah. So actually, we shot two summers. We shot in summer of 2019 and in summer of 2020. And so it was a good thing that we had shot in 2019 because, you know, back then you could just yeah. do whatever you wanted. So yeah. it was really nice. Um, it was definitely a challenge, uh, the 2020 shoot, because we had to have very small groups of people working together. Um, and so you couldn't have extras and people like that, really. Uh, it was basically just like the four main cast members, mostly. Um, uh, you know, and so also... It, we were filming part three of the film, which it's all one film, but we made it in three parts so we could learn uh, and go through the process three times. And so in part three, there's like the epic climax with a battle between like 500 of the enemy and 500 of the, um, you know, the protagonist's helpers. And so it was very challenging because we basically had to shoot the entire thing outside on a blue screen, um, like a 40-foot blue screen. And we only had, you know... I think eight people in it and basically we had to use the visual effects to duplicate all these people so we would have them do something they would all change costumes so they looked like different people (laughs) and then we would just have to duplicate them until they looked like a whole crowd of people fighting but that was extremely difficult from a filming perspective and Mm -hmm. you know and we had like you know anyway uh, so that was (laughs) much more challenging than it would have been if we could have shot it you know in just with more people even just you know 30 people would have been much easier. <laughs> but, yeah. um, and, and yeah. to Sissel's point, uh, there's so many opportunities for, you know, especially young people to say, yeah, we'll, we'll put it off and we'll do it some <laughs> so other time. A, COVID was a pretty good excuse for giving up, I <laughs> yeah. think, at that point. But yeah. I like that you all persevered, which really shows that I think you guys are going to go far because you got through, troubleshooted all those issues. Yeah, <laughs> probably you. only get easier from here. So, <laughs> so, now, you, so, now, you, so. now you got the film and how do you deal with distribution, getting theaters to, to play it? And again, as I mentioned before, it's going to be Monday, March 29th, and Tuesday, March 30th, 6.30 p.m. at the Cinemark 17 IMAX at Webb Chapel in Dallas. And so we encourage everybody to go to ViningSisters.com. You can get your tickets there. A limited number of tickets, of course, social distancing and all that kind of stuff. So uh, go in and sell it out and even buy a theater. <laughs> but how, how, do you, how do you begin those negotiations? Well, so once we have an estimated length of the film, which we knew um, was going to be 90 minutes, we... Um, we contact Cinemark. They have a way to do it through their website, basically, so that you can get independent film screenings. Um, and you can just go there and say, hey, here's what we want to do. Can we get a contract and make some sort of a deal for a few screenings? Basically, like special uh, special screenings, not, you know, like a full-out release in theaters. But um, so a few screenings, and they are like, yes, and we have a little contract written, uh, written up. And then um, 
And then after that, it's all up to us to sell the tickets and distribute the film. Uh, after the theater screenings, we're going to have it like on our website for sale or rent. Um, and then when you're getting more into distribution, we also have received at, um, at least two distribution deals from distributors who want to, like Christian distribution companies who would like to get the film into a worldwide uh, VOD, like a video release, not in theaters, but for um, streaming online. Mm-hmm. And uh, have people seen the movie already, uh, other than maybe <laughs> your parents and grandparents? Or uh, well, what, kind of, what kind of feedback are you getting that, you know, obviously the, the general public hasn't seen it yet, but uh, what, what, are the, what, are you, what are they saying? Yes, yeah. Overall, it's all been pretty good feedback. We did a test screening a few weeks ago, and that actually worked really well. Um, we were just wanting to make sure that the whole story came together well for um, the audience. And so far, all of them have really liked it. I I would say especially the kids in our family. So we let some of our cousins see it because they just really wanted to so badly. So we said, all right, you know, you can see some of it. And they love it. They were like, don't turn it off. Please don't turn it off. (laughs) So basically, I would say like everybody from age 6 to 13 has been like really liking it. That's like the best age range, I feel like. You can keep them occupied. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Exactly. 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 Great. So, so yeah, do you you, you write it with a certain audience in mind and say this is for kids, but the adults will like it anyways or, Mm -hmm. or? or is it kind of, you know, one size fits all, everybody's going to enjoy it? Right. So we um, we wrote it for families. So we want it to be like, you know, the adults, it's not, obviously, it's not like a huge budget film, right? So the adults will probably just think it's very funny. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> but the teens and the kids, I think it's like it's action adventure. There's great fight scenes. And, um, you know, our um, our cousin Luke does our second unit. So he does all of the stunts. And he is a black belt, and so he loves to make these really elaborate fight scenes. And, you know, and so that's really exciting. So I think that the teens, you know, that's personally my favorite part is most of the, you know, the fight scenes. And the, and then, you know, there's also the dramatic element to it. And, um, and so that's also kind of a deeper section of it. But then, you know what, like the little kids, the kids, they also love it because they like just, they love to watch a good story. They just yeah. like something. It's not too terribly complicated, so they can really get it. And they just like to watch it, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, just get to enjoy it. Yeah, I see there's uh, this theme of kind of light and darkness. Yes. Uh, and you mentioned that it's not overtly Catholic or Correct. overtly Christian. But what are you hoping, especially kids, will walk away from this movie, uh, have, you know, walk away a better person or having learned a, a lesson from the characters in the film? What would you say about that? Yes, yeah. We, want, we just made the film to be encouraging, especially to um, kids who are already a part of their faith. They're already, like, serving God, but just who need some encouragement to keep going and some inspiration to see somebody who's really fighting the fight and to see the end of the battle and what can happen when you finally reach your goal um, of what God wanted you to do. So mostly it's about encouragement and hope. And there's also some good morals of like, you know, the way you fight and God helps you to get further than you ever could. Um, But yeah, we just wanted to give them some encouragement to keep fighting the good fight and not to stop when things get difficult. Yeah. Diego, tell me about the process for you. Do you write the music while the film's being done? Do you see the film and say this music would fit? Or how, how do you match it? Because the music obviously has to uh, kind of work and, and go side by side with the film. How does that process work? Oh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> um, well, I started out with just a, a short piano piece that was about like two or three minutes long. And I was just sort of improvising. And it was simple chords and melodies and stuff like that. And, and then I would play that back 
and I would listen to it, and I would think, okay, so what are some elements, what are some chords, what are some melodies, harmonies and such that I can draw from? And ultimately, I, I ended up with way too many themes, and even after I cut them down, I like, I, needless to say, the movie is overscored. Um, so what does that mean? Most movies are. Uh, uh, what is that? What does overscore mean? That, that means I have I, 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 no, too much music. Not not necessarily too much music, but too maybe too many themes to keep track of. Oh, okay. So if I mean it's definitely a statement in terms of how far you can take uh, thematics. Yeah. But um, like if if you really love film scores and you're actually listening to them, it should be like oh that's so this is supposed to signify that. But if if you don't just like are watching the movie and that's not your primary thing, it you really shouldn't notice. Um, and and that's the that's the main crux of it, I guess, is that you know you shouldn't notice the film score. It should be just complementary. It should be there to help the movie move forward. Um, but I mean, I I like to think I drew it all to a nice little close. Yeah, well, I I'm sure I'm, nice. I'm, I'm I'm sure you it's did. Great. Yeah, the, well, the, the the Vining sisters uh, seem to appreciate <laughs> yes, it. Yes, so. we do. <laughs> it's really it's beautiful. Uh, just uh, remind you, this is the interview of the week, and we're talking about a a film that's coming out this month, and it's going to be in the theaters. It's called The Light of Versa. And it's on a limited special theatrical release in Dallas. And also there's an online and you can uh, you know rent it and get the, D- the DVD. And so we'll talk more about that as well. Go to the website, viningsisters.com, V-I-N-I-N-G, sisters.com. Claire and Mary are the Vining Sisters. They're the directors. Diego Campos is, our, uh, is the composer uh, for uh, the film. You can also find Vining Sisters on Facebook and Instagram as well. So, Claire, talk about the particulars. People are listening. They're intrigued, and they're like, "I want to go to this uh, movie." Uh, I, I'm guessing with uh, only uh, you know hundreds of tickets, it may hopefully be a sellout. So people are, you know, we're still a few, uh, you know a couple, few, two, three weeks away from the the, the, the screening. Mm-hmm. Um, how 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 can they get tickets? What do they cost? Uh, maybe some of the particulars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so tickets are about twelve dollars, and um, you can get tickets just by going to our website. We have two screenings scheduled right now, and hopefully, we're about to add another one if we can sell out these two screenings that are currently available. So we're really excited about that. Um, Yeah, so if you go to the website at viningsisters.com, there's a page where you can view the trailer and see our poster and um, buy tickets to see the film, hopefully. Um, And so we're so excited that this film is in theaters. And um, it's family-friendly, so everybody in your whole family can come to see it. And, um, you know, like... The only thing really in it at all, there's no profanity or modesty in anything. It's just there's very slight violence because we're trying to portray the spiritual battle. Yeah. So, you know, there's the there's the triumph of good over evil, but, you know, slight fighting. Um, but, you know, nothing that your whole family couldn't see. So that's very important to us um, that, you know, it can be like a family outing because, you know, recently there hasn't been too many opportunities for that yeah. with COVID and everything. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, hopefully a family outing that everybody will just be able to go have some fun and uh, enjoy themselves. All right. And Mary, if somebody isn't able to go to one of these live showings, uh, March 29th and 30th, uh, by the way, 630 Cinemark 17 IMAX at Webb Chapel in Dallas. That's right there at LBJ and, and Webb Chapel, right? That big, yes. yeah, big theater. Yes. Uh, what are the other options is to, um, to get it? Yeah, it will be online on our website um, just to rent or stream. Um, it will be a month at least until it's on our website because we need it to release in theaters beforehand. But you can, you will be able to get it there in a month or so. Um, so yeah, and it will. We haven't exactly figured out how 
the pricing will work. Yeah. All right. Well, all, all that uh, to be determined, right? And then, Diego, the, the score, as you say, is also available separately or is that going to be for sale also? Yeah, it's available separately. Um, so we have the basic version, which would be, you know, normal one that'll be released to most things. And then I'll have the deluxe edition released on my Bandcamp, which, um, has the most up-to-date versions because since we aren't a huge, huge production company, we don't have, you know, like, oh, here, we can upload this to the site and then the next day it'll go live. No, mm-hmm. I have to do that stuff like three to six weeks beforehand. So they're, essentially the basic version is just what I had at the time. Yeah. And the deluxe edition is up-to-date everything and plus some extra stuff and some sketchbooks and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, very exciting. Uh, I know, you know, most of us don't know what we're going to have for dinner tonight, much (laughs) less what we're going to do next year or the the, the following year. But I'm just curious, is this uh, in y'all's mind something that you'd like to do professionally and that you'll be doing 10, 15 years from now? Is it just a hobby or do you have maybe plans for uh, your next project? Is that it? So we are really excited about this. Definitely very passionate about it. We would love to do it in the future. Um, Just uh, I think it's very it's a very powerful tool in spreading um, the gospel and, you know, giving people encouragement is so important. So um, we would love to do this in the future. Um, we'll definitely go on to, obviously, market and distribute this film. Um, hopefully, God willing, we can get a good distribution deal going. Um, but after that, we'll have to just wait and see what the Lord has in store for us. And, you know, we're just here for the ride. So wherever he calls us, that's where hmm. we'll be. <laughs> yeah. And other than buying tickets and maybe buying a theater out uh, and, uh, you know, maybe somebody could be perhaps an actor in one of your future uh, movies. Anything else our listeners can do to support y'all, Mary? Um, we do have a donate page on our website. But in general, just buying tickets, seeing the film with your whole family, um, Receiving that message that's in the film is really the main thing that you can do. Yeah. And uh, Cecil, professional f- filmmaker, <laughs> do you have any additional questions? <laughs> for- I would just, I would just, out of curiosity, since you did it over two years, basically, how many days or hours do you think you all put into this film? Just to put in pers- perspective for people listening. Um, so Mary and I together estimated we've spent about 10,000 hours on this film so far. Um, we work uh, five to eight hours a day. More recently, we've been working about 16 hours a day on this thing to try to finish it up. And um, then, Diego, how many hours for you? Um, I'd have to estimate about four to 5,000 hours I wow. put in. Wow. That, that's, that's, probably, awesome. that's a lot of time probably for a composer, but I yeah, spend a lot of no time trying to get it just perfect. <laughs> yes. Yeah, really yeah, yeah very, very good. That, that, that's, uh, that's wonderful. So uh, congratulations uh, so much. Is there anything else that uh, our listeners should know? Uh, of course, they can donate. Uh, the most important thing, I think, is just support it. In the early days, uh, you, you know, you never know. Uh, this. Uh, you may be looking back, you know, 20 years from now and saying, remember that first film we did back in, <laughs> right. back in 2020? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So uh, the website, viningsisters.com. Also, you can go on Facebook and Instagram. Just do uh, hashtag light of Versa film, Versa, V-I-R-S-A. And all this is just total fiction. You, you, yes. you make up all the names yes. and the characters. Yeah. <laughs> That's and, right. Yeah. Are there any other influences? We mentioned Tolkien. Uh, I don't know if C.S. Mm-hmm. Lewis or anybody else, uh, filmmakers or authors that have inspired y'all? Um, well, we're very inspired by the work of J.J. Abrams. Star Wars 7 was the first film we ever saw in theaters, and that just was so influential to us. So, um, so yeah, we're really excited about that. And, um, you know, hopefully we can one day be kind of 
a professional like that and do something very, very cool like he did. Yeah. There's somebody listening right now who's 10 years old, 15 years old. They're maybe driving around with their parents and saying, you know what, I'd like, I'd like to do that one day. Mm-hmm. What would be your advice for a young person or not so young person to just kind of get started and you know, go ahead and, and, get, and get rolling on this? What would, what's the first step? Um, so I would say, first of all, the most important thing is that um, – you're going to need help. You're going to need other people around you who are supporting you. So like on this film, we had like 200 people involved in some way, shape or form, whether that's the prayer team, the marketing team. Basically, if you can just get a few people who are willing to really support you. And then the other main thing is just. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth and North Texas. Catholic radio for your soul on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. 